0: Welcome to Biz Break, a podcast where we talk about everything business. My name is Jeff Hicks, and I'll be your host. Hello, and welcome to Biz Break. Starting in around 1985, which is ages ago for some of you, I began to loosely compile information for a book that I planned to write. And the way that I have it set up in my mind anyway is uh, I will Compile information about management, about things that go on in the work area, about people that I associate with at work, um, the different styles of interaction that people use in in the workforce, in in the the daily routine. Yeah, I've I've gathered all that information in and paid close attention and made notes, and I've filed those notes in uh, various places on my computer hard drive, for example, I even have a few hard copy pages filled with notes that I, observations that I took throughout the day, the work day. And these observations um, were things that I thought were kind of intriguing, kind of human behavior stuff, human, and maybe on some level, human interest when it comes to management and how to incentivize people, how to motivate people. And uh, one time I came across a report that stated that roughly 68% of workers in the United States were completely disconnected from their work. Whatever it was they were doing, whether it was office work or whether they were out on the production line or maybe they were doing construction, 68% of those workers, of, of all workers, were disconnected. They weren't paying attention. They weren't interested. Maybe they didn't care about their job. But that's an interesting statement. And if it's true, and I have no reason to doubt its validity, there's a large part of the workforce that's, that's affecting national productivity. The book that I've been gathering research for doesn't even have a title yet. and I'm not sure what it should be, but the information I've been compiling suggests it will be a book useful for business people, people who work with and lead other people. That includes just about all of us in one way or another. One of the conclusions I've argued for a long time is that everyone, and I mean everyone, can have profound influence as a leader. And that includes the many de facto leaders present in every group. In this research, I've noticed some common themes. One of them is relationships are important. People are important. People are not robots. People should be treated with respect in all organizations, from the custodians who empty garbage and keep the floors clean, to the woman or man who owns or manages the company. I was talking with Mike Hicks recently about this very subject of people and how they should be treated in the workplace. Specifically, Mike and I talked about the various relationship models that exist between bosses and subordinates. I was impressed with Mike's background as a boss and the style he developed over his years as a boss that governed his interactions with those who worked with him and for him. Mike was a school principal for around 20 years of his 40-year career as an educator in the United States school systems. As he and I talked, I realized what he was saying should be important for all bosses. I guess leadership principles are universal, for the most part, anyway, or at least they should be. A lot of that depends on the work setting, and I get that. For example, perhaps leadership styles might be different for a boss who leads a production line, for example, versus one who leads a group of professional analysts. But many of the essential grassroots leadership principles are the same. I have Mike on the phone. He's graciously accepted the offer to join me on this podcast today. Welcome to the show, Mike. Mike. To get the discussion going, let's start off with a simple discussion of leadership. In your opinion, what is leadership, and describe what, in your opinion, makes an effective leader?
1: Well, interesting enough, you're using the word leader and leadership, and uh, <coughs> you know, a lot of people in in all areas, especially people in education. They see themselves, uh, I'm talking about principals and superintendents and so forth. They see themselves as managers. And uh, I never did. I never figured I was a manager. Uh, There are things you have to manage. You manage budgets, you manage uh, equipment, you manage those things. But when it comes to people, you do not manage, you lead. And if you don't have that mindset, it makes your life and their life pretty difficult. Yeah. Teachers want to have a leader. They want to have somebody they can look to that's going to take them the right direction and help them get there. Managers don't do that. Anyway, I don't mean to be bad-mouthing managers, but the word manager should not even be in the vocabulary of a school administrator, period, in my opinion. You should be a leader. Describe
0: some basic grassroots actions every leader should consistently do. Maybe we could even call them effective habits of a good leader.
1: Well, the very first thing you do is you set the example. You never ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do or that you haven't already done. A principal who spent nine or ten years as a teacher has probably already done everything that he's asking the teachers to do because of that many years being a teacher. So you've already done those things and you know what works and you know what doesn't work. You know what's effective and what isn't effective. And you have to learn and and fortunately, uh, I have to say I apparently had some skills that were born into me to understand the nature of people and the way that they think. And they're all different. Everybody's different. And you have to be able to figure out what it takes to make Mrs. So-and-so do her job a little better and Mr. So-and-so to not be quite so hard on these, these kids and yackety yak. And, I, and that, a lot of that is learned. But in my opinion, most of it is born into you. You have it. You can, if you don't have it, you can learn it if you're willing to work really hard and listen to counsel and advice from people that know what they're talking about.
0: We know the workplace is not always a place of happy workers doing their thing on the backdrop of serenity. Workers are humans and sometimes get pissed off, and often for good reason. How does a leader effectively deal with mad or disgruntled people?
1: Well, okay, you're right. Sometimes teachers make dumb mistakes. Sometimes principals make dumb mistakes, but with experience and with uh, pondering and praying and thinking about it you get so you make less mistakes but the point is sometimes parents come in very angry and it's justified sometimes they come in very angry just because they're angry people sometimes they come in angry because their kids are jerks and they don't admit it to themselves that the kid is a jerk and so they blame it on somebody else yeah they're failing as parent and they want to find somebody to be the scapegoat for that so you have all those dynamics that you have to deal with as a, as a principal. And it doesn't take you very long if you've got some experience and some savvy to figure out what's the dynamic here that I'm dealing with. Doesn't take long. And uh, the teachers that you work with, they have to be able to trust you. They have to know that you're not going to throw them under the bus, even if they're wrong. If, if a teacher does something wrong, you sit down with them one-on-one with the door closed and you discuss that and try to work through that so that they understand what they need to do to fix that problem if they can or what they need to do different next time. Uh, but in the presence of a mad parent or even a parent that's not mad, those parents have to see that this principle supports this teacher. I can't come in here and get this teacher fired or get him disciplined or get him this or get him that from this principal, it's not gonna happen. This principal supports this teacher, period. And, and like I said, even if, they, even if I knew the teacher was mistaken in what they did, I would try to use my di- diplo- diplomatic skills to get this thing settled and smoothed out and the parent go away feeling better and the teacher knowing that I still supported them. And then we might sit down later and have a discussion. And I never chewed any teacher out. That was not my nature to, to scold a teacher. We would discuss it and I'd ask questions like, well, what would you have done different now that you look back on this, Is there, what would you have done different? Questions like that help teachers understand how to do, the, do it different next time.
0: Arguably, every organization has policies that govern worker expectations and activities. In the daily grind of trying to reach organizational goals, what should be placed first in that long list of
1: priorities? People or policies? Up front, the very first answer would be people are the most important. But I also recognize that you have to have good, solid policy. Fair, just policy in place, because that's what gives you uh, the tools you need to, to deal with the situation, no matter how sticky it may be, if you have good policy. and uh, but But the answer to the question, what I think is most important, is I think the most important thing in dealing with kids, or teachers, or human beings, or my own children at home, or my why why my wife or in the job place whether it's out of education but some other job construction work whatever most important ingredient is people people is what makes it work or not work.
0: Describe your experiences, maybe the results you observed as a principal when you put people first.
1: Well, uh, I won't name any schools' names because who knows where this this thing we're doing may end up, but I can tell you that at least one of, well, a couple of the schools that I came into to become the principal, after I was there a while, I had teachers come to me and say, thank you. It's like a breath of fresh air. I can I can go ahead and do my job and not worry about who's looking over my shoulder. I know that I'm not gonna get called in here on the carpet because I do something that's that I shouldn't do and get yelled and screamed at and, and threatened. And, and, and I was not a threatening principal. I was a helpful. I saw my job as not to be the boss, but to be the main number one helper, supporter, uh, cheerleader. That was my calling and my job as a principal. And the teachers very soon, when they figure out that's the kind of guy we got here, they really appreciate that. And that happened in at least three schools where I went to where things were a little tough because the previous guy was a domineering dictatorial type boss. And that doesn't work when you're working with people. You can dictate to an adding machine or you can dictate to a, a toilet seat or something, but you can't dictate to a human being. You've got to show respect and love and kindness. And firmness when necessary. Did you ever have any
0: workers take advantage of your, how shall I say it, your accommodating people first leadership style?
1: Uh, There was always a a few who thought I was an easy pushover. Most people did not view me that way because in my faculty meetings, they were well run and, and there was an agenda and I would tell them this is what I want you to do and I expect it to be done by Friday and da 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 da. So when they see, see that kind of leadership moving at them, they understand this guy's not a pushover. He knows how to run things. And he's a kind, decent, caring person who has high expectations of himself and the people that, that work with him. And they all learned that really quick. So those kind of guys that try to take advantage of me because they thought I was easy We would have our closed door one-on-one as soon as they realized what they were up to, and we'd get that problem solved.
0: Well, thanks for being on the show today, Mike. I'll give you the final word. Do you have any parting thoughts or suggestions for listeners?
1: Just in closing comment or two, I I just want to say that, uh, make it plain that, that in my opinion, the secret, and it isn't a secret, the best ingredient for being a leader is love. Now, that sound, might sound corny to some people that don't understand this concept that I'm trying to explain. But people who understand it will know absolutely know that I'm right. Love is the best ingredient. And every one of my teachers in all the schools where I was a principal, they knew that that was my number one priority was that I love you. They knew that. Now we'll go from there. I might add that everyone in the students in the schools where I was principal, after a couple of months, they figured that out. Mr. Hicks really cares. And because of that, you make a difference in people's lives. Figure out how to love people.
0: Thanks for listening. You've been listening to BizBreak, a product of Voice right Media.